Now we're going to spend some time cracking open the Bible together. So we're going to be in our uh, continuing our partnership series. And today we're going to be in the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5. And you can find our text in the black Bibles in front of you on page 1016. If you want to open up one of those Bibles or if you have your own Bible or a device, you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. In this partnership series, we've been studying different New Testament passages that describe and teach us what it looks like to be God's people partnering together, cooperating together. Uh, The Greek word is koinonia, which is often translated fellowship or partnership or partaking is how the word is used in this text today. Other words we've looked at are membership, we're members one of another, Uh, another kind of cluster of words is being brothers and sisters and family together. So what does it look like for us to be on the same team as God's people in the city at this church. So today we're calling it partners in humility. Two big words that are used a lot in the New Testament that have overlapping meaning are humility and meekness. Humility and meekness. And that is choosing to place yourself under others so that you can serve them for their good and for the glory of God. Humbling yourself. That's what humility means. It doesn't just mean feeling terrible. It means actually placing yourself lower than someone else so you can serve them. A great picture of this in the New Testament is Jesus stooping to wash his disciples' feet. And even more than that, Jesus ultimately dying on the cross for our sins. And so he gives us a model to follow, not only a model, but he gives us the power to do that with. One of my favorite movies of the last few years was the Superman movie, Man of Steel. I grew up reading comic books, so I'm a uh, comic book guy. love all the superhero movies. There's one particular uh, scene in the Man of Steel movie where you can actually see, kind of have a sympathetic view of young Clark Kent, right? Because one of the problems with the Superman character is he's just too powerful, right? Kind of takes away the drama if nothing can ever hurt you, right? And so in this movie, you see him being bullied, and you see kind of the emotional strain he goes through because he's got boys picking on him, and he knows if he fights back, he will kill them, right? And so as a 12-year-old boy, he's, he's taught by his father to restrain, to humble himself, to be meek, the Bible word for meekness, is literally power under control. And so it's a really gripping scene. Boys are yelling at him. Why don't you fight, Kent? Is that all you've got? Why don't you get up and fight us? Uh, Finally, they walk away. And when another friend comes and extends a hand to lift Clark Kent up off the ground, Clark stands up and he'd been leaning against a fence post. And you see when he stands up that he had crumpled the steel fence post with his hand. And so it's this like dramatic picture of that's the strength he had that he was restraining, right? And as Christians, I want to, this might seem like a big jump, but as Christians, we are sons and daughters of the king of the universe. We have everything in Christ, and we're told in that power and in that strength to submit and humble ourselves, to restrain our strength and our power so that we can serve others in love. Not to take vengeance on others, but to serve others in love as Christ did for us. So let's look at this here in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 5, we'll read verses 1 through 11. Verses 1 through 11. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. It's a central command there. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves 
all of you with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So that's kind of the center of this whole text is be humble, clothe yourselves in humility. In verse six, he continues this thought and he says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray for us and ask God to help us to to digest this, to learn this, to help this to change us. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you teach us, you guide us. We believe that you speak to us here, and we pray that you'd help our hearts to receive it. Uh, Help us to listen to you, and we pray that your spirit would join your word so that we would be made into the image of your son, Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you can see, the flow of the text, kind of right in the middle, there's this thing called chiasm, and it's a kind of a structure that you often see in ancient literature, and what that is is where they have kind of details on the outside of a paragraph, and then right in the middle of it, chiasm means like the X, the chi. Uh, in the middle of it, you have like the main point, and so nestled in the middle of this is the main point of humility, right? Humble yourselves. And then Peter is kind of drawing that out, and he's connecting it to all these other relationships in church life. And the first set of relationships and the first kind of set of commands that he presses is leadership. And what he's saying here is that humility shapes leadership. He's going to give some very specific instructions about how leaders in the church should lead. And then he's going to draw the connection then in verse 4, 5, 6, say, and that should be shaped by humility. Humility gives shape and strength and power to the leaders of the church. And so we see in verse 1, these direct instructions that he's giving to the leaders called elders. It says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. And so the word elder can literally mean older person, or it can mean the like chief leaders of the church. It has double meaning. If you look throughout the Old Testament, they'd often talk about kind of like the council of a city, and that council would be the council of elders, right? They'd come together kind of like a city council and decide things for the city, for the tribe, for a group. And so that same kind of Jewish concept of an elder council is then applied to the church. We have a group of elders. We call it an elder board that make decisions for the church. Um, These other elders are the ones that ultimately oversee me. So as a key kind of voice piece for the church as a senior pastor, I also have an elder board that is an authority over me to make sure, you know, I don't do stupid things and to hold me accountable and to help me grow as a Christian as well. And so the elders work together as shepherds is the language he's using here. And another word he uses is overseer. Um, So just like the word senior can mean a senior citizen or a senior in high school, the word elder has that same kind of flexibility. And so from context here, we know he's not just talking about generally older people in general, but he's talking about the council of the church, the leaders of the church. And we know that because he gives specific instructions using the words oversight and shepherding. Um, So he says, I'm exhorting you as a fellow elder. I exhort the elders. The word exhort is this beautiful uh, side-by-side word in the New Testament. Uh, It's parakaleo, and it means to come alongside and call someone 
Um, It's the word given to the Holy Spirit, sometimes translated as counselor in John chapter 14. And so the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and empowers and helps us. And here Peter, even though he's like the great chief of the apostles, he's this important leader, right? He comes alongside the other elders and says, "I'm, I'm coming alongside you as just another elder. I'm in this shepherding business just like you are, and we're working this out together. And so Peter is actually modeling the humility that he's calling the leaders of the church to have here. So he says, I exhort you as a fellow elder. And then he says, and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He's talking about suffering because that is the theme of 1 Peter. So as we've done throughout this series, I encourage you to go back and and read the whole context of the book that we're studying, right? We're just looking at chapter 5 today. Go back and read all of 1 Peter because it talks about suffering. It talks about the, the suffering that we undergo as Christians. And he challenges us to suffer like Jesus, suffer for good instead of suffering for selfishness. We're all going to suffer, right? We all suffer in life. I mean, unless you're like 20 and younger, you may not realize it yet, but we're all going to suffer. This is a world of suffering. And so in a world of suffering, Peter is calling believers to say, suffer for Jesus. Don't just suffer for your own selfish gain. Don't just suffer for doing wrong. Suffer for serving Jesus. And so now Peter's coming along and saying, I witnessed those sufferings of Jesus. I saw him. I saw him with my own eyes. So I'm coming alongside you and saying, this works. This whole process works. We look to Jesus. We see how he suffered for us. And then we suffer in service towards others. And he says he was also a partaker. That's that fellowship or partnership word in the New Testament. I'm a partaker, a participant in the glory that is going to be revealed. So we know Peter actually was a partaker in the glory of Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. Have y'all ever heard of that story in the Gospels? It's repeated in several Gospels where Peter and some of the other disciples see Jesus transfigured. They see him literally glowing, looking like his heavenly self, like not like his just normal earthly self, but this kind of heavenly vision of Jesus. He's talking to Moses and Elijah. So it was just this mind-blowing experience of participating in the glory that Jesus had. But no, here, Peter is saying, we're looking forward to a glory yet to be revealed. So Peter had gotten a little taste of it. He'd gotten like a teaser, right? So Peter had seen the sufferings of Christ. He'd seen the glory of Christ. And he says, we're looking forward to an ultimate glory. And so I want to encourage you guys with that as well. Those of us that lead in any position, whether it's church leaders or school teachers or commanders in the army or any other area of responsibility, uh, being a parent, right? Being a big brother, big sister, We lead looking forward to the glory that will be given to us. We imitate what Jesus does, serving others in love, and we look forward to glory. We look forward to someday everything's going to be perfect, right? Everything's going to be awesome. Romans 8 tells us we're all groaning and longing for that day to come, and it will come. There is a glory to be revealed. So then in verse 2, he gives now, finally, with all those caveats, in verse 2 he says, so this is what you do, you shepherd, you shepherd. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Oversight is that Greek word uh, episkopos, which we sometimes translate as uh, bishop, right? You've heard that ancient term, bishop, as a leader of the church. It just means an overseer or a guardian. You're looking out, right, checking, making sure everybody's okay. Uh, the other word is elder. You're kind of the chief, wise man, kind of council member. And then the other word is shepherd. And a shepherd feeds and protects his sheep, right? And so he's saying, this is what you do. You shepherd. Now, he's going to give a lot of 
negatives and positives of how not to shepherd and how to shepherd, uh, but I just want to focus for a minute on the concept of being a shepherd, because that's kind of the task that we're called to as spiritual leaders in the church. And here he says, shepherd, which can also be translated, you know, pastor, right? That's when we call someone a pastor, we're saying they're a a shepherd in the church. I grabbed a picture here of actual shepherds. Um, And so that's this kind of beautiful, weighty responsibility that God calls spiritual leaders to. He says, it's your job to feed these sheep. It's your job to protect these sheep. And so I want you to know that the elders and pastors of this church take that very seriously. And that that's a very important charge that we've been given, right? To shepherd, to care for. It's not to boss around. He's going to get into more of those details. It's to feed, to encourage with God's word. A a helpful contrast to think about as we get to the details in the text here is that shepherding is not command and control, but shepherding is teaching and modeling. That's what Peter's going to say, okay? It's not command and control. It's not bossing people around. It's teaching and modeling. Feeding with God's word, that's the repeated image we get of shepherding throughout the Bible, and protecting against wolves, right? There there are people out there that want to eat you up with false teaching and getting you to trust in something other than Jesus. And so we want to protect you against those false ideas. We want to encourage and feed you with the truth of God's word and with the gospel. But another really important thing for us to remember about shepherding is that shepherding is not glamorous. It's actually a very humble role, right? How many of you uh, have actually cared for animals growing up? Any of you have a farm? A lot of you have done that right? Like when you're caring for an animal, do you have this kind of self-important, I'm awesome feeling? Or do you sometimes feel like, wow, this is really humble, you know? Like I'm cleaning up this animal's mess. It's just, it's not the most glamorous thing in the world. We have dogs that we take care of, and I just never feel glamorous when I'm taking care of my dogs. I feel humble when I take care of my animals, right? And I would assume that a shepherd would feel that as well. So there's, uh, what I want to show you is there's this weight. This is an important task, right? It's very important. We, we have a humility and a prayer about it because we, we want to feed you well in God's word. But also recognize that what God calls leaders to is not something glamorous, right? It, it's hard work. Uh, it's gritty work. Throughout history, no one ever saw shepherds as glamorous celebrities, right? That's never been the view of shepherds. And so as we see his instructions, I think we'll see that tension where he's saying, this is a very important responsibility but it's not glamorous. Don't go into this for the rewards of glamour and acclaim. Go into this because you want to serve your chief shepherd. So let's see how that unfolds here in the next verse. The next verse says it this way. So you're shepherding, exercising oversight, not under compulsion. So what that means is you're not compelled, you're not forced to do it. Don't do it because you have to. This is a really good leadership lesson for church leaders, for pastors, for elders, But it's also, again, these apply to all leadership things that we do, right? If you're a teacher, if you're a mom or a dad, if you're a commander of soldiers, if you're in any way leading other people, if you have any kind of responsibility over other people, don't do it because you have to. Do it because you see it as a stewardship, a grace that God has given you. You have been given a stewardship, an opportunity to care for another human being. So see that as a a beautiful opportunity, not like, I'm doing this because I have to, right? And that's what he's saying here about shepherds. Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. And then he goes on and says, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. You don't do it for the money. You don't do it for the rewards, for the accolades. 
Now, throughout the scriptures, the scriptures are clear. It's okay to reward a teacher or to pay a leader, right? And we do that sometimes. About half of our leadership team is paid, and about half of our leadership team is not paid. A lot of our elders, specifically on the elder board, uh, are, are doing it as volunteers. And so we, we praise them and thank them for that. I, I get to be paid. I thank you for that. I love getting to feed my family and have a house and stuff like that. I appreciate that. And I also want to just say as an aside, a few weeks ago we had... Um, what's it called? Pastor Appreciation Sunday. I don't listen to Caleb, so I didn't know it was happening, right? And I showed up, and just so you know, that was one of the most discouraging weeks I've had in years. Like, just kind of only Jesus kept me going that week, right? And I came in, and then people gave me little cards and gifts and appreciated me. I was like, wow, this is so awesome. And so those things can be really encouraging. So I would say on the flip side, right, if you are a student, encourage your teacher. If you are a child, encourage your parents. If you're a soldier, encourage your leaders, right? So it's, it's good to encourage people. But here he's saying, but to the leader, don't do it just for the encouragement, right? Don't do it just for money. Don't do it because you have to. Do it because Jesus served you first. And that's the call that he's making on us. Again, he's speaking directly to church leaders here, but he's speaking to all of us. We all have opportunities to lead other people. We all have opportunities to be an uncle, an aunt in the body of Christ, to have some kind of influence over someone You do that because that's a stewardship and a grace that God has given you. He says, do it eagerly, not domineering and controlling those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So there again, just summarize, I would say it's not command and control, not domineering, but it's teaching and it's modeling. That's what we should be doing. Spiritual leadership, one of the things that we have to work on as spiritual leaders is separating out what the Bible says and then our own experience and wisdom, right? I have all kinds of wisdom on things. I'd be glad to tell you how to do everything in your life, right? But there's kind of a line I have to be careful not to cross and and not say, I know how you should do everything in your life, right? There are things that are just set, right? Like if you're thinking about murdering someone, I can say, no, it says not to do that, right? That's clear. I can stand on it. The Bible says no. If you're thinking about leaving your spouse, no, don't leave your spouse. If you're thinking about Um, lying or cheating or stealing. I can say, no, the Bible's clear about that, right? If you're thinking about hating someone instead of loving someone, I can say, no, the Bible calls you to love and to forgive. So there are clear things that I can call you to from the scriptures. And then there are all kinds of things that people ask me, like, what should I do for a living? And who should I marry? And how should I live my life? And I have to be careful as a leader to say, well, here's my input, but I can't really answer that for you, right? And so that's an important thing to remember as spiritual leaders in in any capacity. We have to always kind of separate that out. This is for sure, and then this is my opinion. And those are two different things. And that's a part of humble leadership, not domineering, not controlling, but being an example to the flock. And so again, another mark of humble leadership, spiritual leadership. And he says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So again, that's the that's the future we look forward to of, of rewards, of heavenly rewards, of, of Jesus saying, thank you for serving me, right? Thank you for doing what I called you to do. Thank you for making the most of the opportunities that I gave you. And that's my prayer for us as a body, that we would be those kinds of people, where God would put people in front of us and we take those opportunities to serve them, to give them hope, to encourage them, to help them, using our gifts in whatever particular ways that God has wired us, looking forward to not the reward that we'll get this week, or next week, or in a month, but looking to the ultimate reward of seeing Jesus face to face, of that well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what we look forward to. 
And then he extends it again here to everybody. I've already been kind of extending it. But in the text here, he extends it, right? Verse 5, he says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, here it is, all of you. So now this is not just for elders and leaders. It's also for the younger. And this is really for everybody, for all people in the church. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So do you want the God of the universe to oppose you? Well, then bow up and be proud. If you want grace from the God of the universe, then humble yourself. Uh, there's some, some debate over exactly what Peter is saying here. We know, of course, the, the main idea is be humble. But some debate over the interplay between younger and older and what he's saying there. The way I understand this is he's kind of calling out the younger men specifically, Right? And what he's doing is saying, elders, leaders of the church, lead this way, lead in humility. And then he says, you young men especially, you're going to have a hard time being humble. And then he says, all of you, everybody needs to be humble. But he calls out the young men. And so I just want to call you out for a minute and just say, hey, I recognize how strong you are. As a 45-year-old, I recognize it more and more every day, right? Like I'm just getting weaker by the second. 